Dana Lee. And Anthony. And we're sharing our stories, becoming our best selves. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Grow to Grow podcast. Um, you are here with the only host of the day, Dana Lee. Um, I have an announcement for all of our listeners. First of all, I just want to thank you guys for supporting us, me and Anthony, and um, laughing with us, listening to us, subscribing to us. We really, really, really appreciate you following the Grow to Glow podcast. There are some permanent changes changes moving forward. Um, Anthony is no longer going to be on the podcast consistently. Um, he's going to be featured every now and then. then we want to have certain discussions. But basically what's happening is that I'm taking over the podcast. He is going on his own path with his own passions and desires. And then this is primarily, um, you know, my passion and desire to to um, do podcasting, do radio, to interview, just to have real conversations with people um, and figure out how we can continue to grow and glow up in this life. Since there's only one life to live, we have to live our best lives, and it's a really pass- it's a big passion for myself. So, just wanted to get let you guys know that Anthony loves you guys so much. And again, he will be featured on here every now and then. So make sure to check out our posts to see, you know, who's going to be featured. I believe that moving forward, I'm just going to be interviewing different people. And I will be featuring these people on the podcast. So the Grow to Glow brand will, will remain the same. However, it'll just be me. And either I'll be talking about different things or I will be interviewing. So it's going to be some changes, some things. Um taking place you know bear with me we're just gonna keep it moving and grooving and and get the content out to you guys so thank you so much thank you so much thank you so much now today we have a special guest I have a great friend who knows a lot of stuff (laughs) and he's here with me today his name is Anthony Awad you want to say hi, Anthony? Hi. <laughs> hi, and, everybody. And he's in medical school. I, I, I met Anthony at our college, um, and um, we actually worked together as RAs, basically, for apartments on campus, and we just clicked, and he's been my friend ever since, and he's really, you know, helped me a lot on this journey to grow to glow. You always need friends, with you as me and Anthony always say, you always need friends who see the best in you and will push for you to become your best self. And he's definitely one of those people. So I admire him, I respect him, and I believe he has a lot of information to offer. And you guys can, you know, by the end of the interview, he'll give out his information and you guys follow him, see what he's up to, um, see what he's talking about, what he's posting about, and stay um, up to date on all things Anthony. So. Welcome, Anthony, to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. I'm really, really glad to be here today. You're my... Dana, I love you so much. So, I mean, it's been such a great journey ever since we've met. So, it's it's been amazing. Yes, love you too. We've had a lot of great times, a lot of crazy times. But we're not going to talk about all that stuff. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to keep it professional now. <laughs> so 
you're my first guest. Um, and I'm so excited that you're here. Let's let's just start with who you are. I mean, um, currently you're in medical school. Tell us how you got there. Tell us about your passions, your desires, and, and who you are. Yeah, so I am currently finishing up my third year of medical school. Um, the process of medical school is a long and strenuous process. It feels like it never ends. Um, and I basically um, started off um, in undergrad, not really knowing if I was going to go to medical school for sure, kind of um, flip-flopping between careers and um, not really understanding, you know, if, if this was really right for me. And then um, I got a, I went to a master's program and got to be in the hospital more and got involved a lot more. And I, I really felt like being a physician was probably the best option for me. It's a great role that we have in society. We get to really, you know, have some hands-on type of um, uh, work and experience. And we, we are, you know, front in line most of the time with um, a lot of our patients and we get to decide a lot of different things. We have a huge, huge role in society. So that's always kind of been my drive. Um, and you know, our healthcare system is broken 100%. So there needs to be people out there that are willing to want to fix it. And I think that was a big drive of mine was, you know, I need to try and help and, and be an advocate and try to fix areas of medicine that have are completely shattered and um and that's kind of where i am today and i fell into a specialty um that i like really 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 love i love dermatology which is basically the, the practice of the skin um, and looking at the skin <laughs> but um it's uh it's it's a great great field because a lot of diseases will show up you know first thing Will show up as the skin, um, so it will it will actually manifest through the skin, and um, we can actually diagnose a lot of diseases using that. So that's kind of why I fell in love with dermatology. I do love the aesthetics part as well. I can't say that I don't, but um, because you know, feeling good and looking good are two separate things. And um, sometimes you could feel good, but sometimes it doesn't exude on the outside. And, you know, people we've seen in clinic have said that many times. They just don't feel like they look good, even though they're happy on the inside. And that's okay. And, and it's okay to actually, you know, get a couple of fillers here and there or Botox here and there just to feel like your younger self again. Yeah. Nothing is going to hurt. I'm not against it. And, but I want people to understand that you don't need to do that. You can do whatever you want in this world. Yeah. <laughs> and, but the beauty of it is that there are options for you to actually feel good and look good, you know? And so those are, that's kind of what pushed me into dermatology and, and the skin in general. And here I am today. So. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I think that's interesting that you chose that as your, um, your, your primary specialty because this year I've actually been trying to focus on my skin and trying to get 
actually well overall this year my goal is just to glow up just be my best self and to feel good right to, like you said to feel good about myself mm-hmm. and um so i've been focusing on my skin and doing that's why i've made dietary changes and um um i've really gone organic with my my skin care so far actually i was using a lot of different products with ole henriksen and um and then I've gone more organic to this. I, I can't even remember what the name of the product is. This lady in Berkeley makes this organic skincare products. Um, and I've been seeing some changes. So I guess what do you recommend for like millennials or you know people who are trying to take care of themselves, especially for the summer? We're trying to be glowing. We want to grow, but we want to glow and look fine this summer. What do you recommend that millennials do or you know young people do to basically really take care of their, their skin and their bodies for the summer? Yeah, so first and foremost, the biggest thing is sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen. As crazy as it sounds, sunscreen has so many anti-aging properties, whether it's um, you know protecting from the actual sun rays, the harmful rays will truly, truly help you stay glowing and ensuring that you know you are still getting your vitamin D absorption through the sun, but yeah. you're you're not burning out there. Um, you're doing it at a healthy rate, um, and so that's always the first thing because you know skin cancer does not discriminate. It does not say. discriminate. Mm-hmm. Yep, and one in five Americans will have some sort of skin cancer. Yeah. So that's a lot of people. A lot of people we see in clinic. You know, yesterday alone, we diagnosed three melanoma cases, and melanoma is deadly. Yeah. Um, you know, lifespan can can really your prognosis or the the actual your the outcome after pretty much a diagnosis usually is anywhere from one to ten years, depending on how large the melanoma is or how much it's spread to other organs. And so, we always try to advise patients all the time is to use good sunscreen with some kind of physical property in it like zinc in it that's always a good one you can get a lot of organic sunscreens out there you know try to avoid any kind of those tanning oils or tanning beds as well so those are big things because the millennial population actually love the tanning beds Mm -hmm. and they don't know how much it's going to impact them down the line right and we always say avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. On top of that, a really good skin regimen is 100% gonna get you a long way. So organic products are great, but just remember you wanna try to have some sort of cleanser in it, um, you know, like glycolic acid or, um, you know, types of cleansing products. So don't forget to always like have a balance of organic and some sort of uh, cleansing product or acid or something in it that could actually be an astringent of sorts. So, I mean, it's a balance act. That's always what I say to people. You know, you don't want too much of, you know, just organic because then that's just, you know, some stuff that we can find on, yeah, on our trees and and, and in our bushes. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You see Uh, me in the bushes. You see me in the bushes. grabbing my berries and, you know, <laughs> trying to get that on my face. <laughs> right. But at the end of the day, you, you just want a balance of both. Yeah. And so 
Um, there, I mean, some of the best products are made by some of the cheapest, like brands that are not even that expensive. Yeah. Don't spend hundreds, thousands of dollars on, you know, La Mer and all these oh, crazy brand Dior. I have to think about and, it. I put it no. on my little safe <laughs> Don't do it, Data. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it, Data. That stuff is way too overpriced and has the same ingredients as your over-the-counter you know, drug store type, you know, okay. things like Neutrogena. Yeah. You'd be very surprised at how many good Neutrogena products are out there. They have um, great face masks, let me tell they, you. They do, they do. Um, I was just recently at the American Academy of Dermatology conference and um, you know that they, they, all these brands come out and they give you a lot of free samples. So Ooh. I have tried everything yes. on the market and one of the best neutrogena products i love is the hydrogel boost for your face that's what i'm talking about that's the best yeah. mask ever i use that mask i have a whole bunch in my bathroom right now it's the best it literally is number one in terms so of just keeping your skin hydrated especially you ethnic people out there including myself mm -hmm. um you know, we just get really dry or really oily skin. Yes. We don't have this combo skin that we see in like normal people out there. Like, so it's really hard to sometimes manage our skin. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, stuff that has hydrating properties like that, ooh, it will take away all those little fine wrinkles in your face and yeah. keep your skin just super hydrated. Another little key thing I always say is face oil. Oof. Yes, Anything yes. that is just you you that's usually the first thing I do. I usually put a face oil. So I use La Roche. La Roche Posse is a it's it's a little bit more expensive uh, um brand, but they have some great, great uh face oils that they they do produce. And I and I buy one that's about twenty six dollars, but it lasts me about three months. And okay. I usually start any of my face care routine with that, you know, after I come out of the shower. Put some of the oil drops on my face, and then I usually put some Hydro Boost by Neutrogena on top, and then always a sunscreen. Yes. And I have sunscreen everywhere the tops of my ears, the back of my neck, my chest, my hands. I don't leave a spot empty because you just don't want that skin cancer to start anywhere. And usually we see it a lot skin cancer starting on the tops of the ears. So that's a common spot that we can see it happen. Yeah. What, what do you think about the Kiehl's products? Because I use Kiehl's oil on my face. Like, usually it's before I go work out. I wash my face. I put the oil on, and then I'll go work out. And then when I come back, shower, wash my face again, I'll do my, I'll do my, um, this, like, orange vitamin C serum from Ole, Henrik, Ole Henriksen. And then I put on the Ole Henriksen uh, vitamin C SPF, and then I put on, like, an extra moisturizer. But what do you think about that Kiehl's or the brand? What do you think about that? I like Kiehl's because Kiehl's is very light. That's yeah. the beauty of that brand. It's very light in texture and, um, you know, it definitely gives, always, always gives that like smooth, healthy looking skin feel after or even look when you see it. You're like, wow, that looks kind of healthier. It's really good. And it has some really good um, uh, ingredients in it. I know that Kiehl's doesn't even have like parabens or um, carbamide. So those are things that you don't want to see as ingredients in your actual face products. 
And, you know, it has a lot of their stuff have, you know, some great um, hydrating formula type um, ingredients and a lot of good glycoproteins and just some good ingredients. That's the great thing. Right. And those good ingredients together will always strengthen that skin barrier and keep that skin looking real healthy and real fresh. So Kiehl's is a good one to go to. I definitely like that. That's some, you know, I call that some advanced stuff. <laughs> because, you know, okay. I like people who are just starting on their skincare yeah. routine okay, okay. and trying to get to that glow. Yes. You know, it, it's good to start with some drugstore stuff. Don't yes. go too crazy. But Kiehl's is definitely not found at your drugstores. No, it's, <laughs> it's called bougie is what oh, it's well, called. But <laughs> you know how I am and y'all know how I, know. I get that. Okay. <laughs> but it's important. It's, I feel like I feel like what I've learned is an investment in your health. Like that's what I invest in. The money that I spend on like dumb stuff when I'm young, when I was younger. I mean, I'm so young, but all that other dumb stuff. It's just not. It's not adding to like my health. Your health is your wealth, right? So and how and, oh, what, <laughs> and going with the theme Ooh. of this show, you know, like growing. You know, how I am. I like to grow. I like to glow. So. How can you invest in your health? But definitely, you know, the drugstore um, products, I'm sure, work as just as well because I do buy Neutrogena stuff. It's just about probably trying things out and seeing what works best for you and what your personal preference is and what your wallet is like. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, so this is this is going to bring up another topic, but uh -huh. um, I see a lot of ethnic individuals who bring up the topic of dermatologists being for a, a luxury. Yeah. almost or something yeah. for the rich and famous only yeah and that's absolutely false that is a myth that needs to be broken down because the best way to find your skincare routine and the best skincare routine for yourself is to go and see a board certified dermatologist and i'm talking about a board certified dermatologist not a cosmetic dermatologist because anybody can name themselves a cosmetic dermatologist yeah. but a board certified dermatologist are people that actually studied the art and the science of dermatology, did a four-year residency after medical school in just dermatology, took a board exam, one of the harder board exams in medicine, passed it, and now they are a fellow of the American Academy of Dermatology, which is a pretty big deal. It's a prestige that is not given to everybody. It's hard to pass that exam. So these people have put in their life, you know, forward to actually try and help our population get better skin and, you know, um, be able to detect skin issues, skin cancers and whatnot. So it, it's good to have, um, and a lot of people are always worried about their insurance coverage yeah. that comes up a lot. Go and see your family doctor first because that means you got to establish a family doctor. Yes, yes. <laughs> and a lot of and Medicaid actually does cover dermatology. So don't forget that. Medicaid does and so you go see a family doctor, they will refer you to a dermatologist and you now are established with the dermatologist at that point. And you actually get to, you know, experience the quote unquote luxury of a dermatologist. They give you advice on, you know, how to keep your skin clear especially those that are suffering from acne at any age, you know, or just, you know, hyperpigmentation on their skin, like really pigmented spots because of them picking at like different, you know, zits and stuff yes, that I've done that all my life. So yeah. I get, but um, yeah, going and seeing 
board certified dermatologist can get you on the right track. That's going to be huge, huge. That's a little secret here. Yeah. No, I think that's good. And I think that's good you bring up that point about like, I feel like people our age, because of everything that's going on with the country, politics, everything's kind of all over the place. But when it comes to healthcare, I don't know that we take healthcare seriously. Because I know for myself, I was just kind of like, well, you know, let me just wing it and see what happens. And a lot of times, we're not all working jobs that allow us to obtain health care. I mean, you know, to get covered and have great insurance or whatever. But what do you think? I guess my question is, what do you think? Um, well, there's so much to be concerned about. But what do you think we should be concerned about the most in terms of our health at our age? Because I don't know. I feel like there's... I've been seeing, and I don't mean to sound all pessimistic and, and dark, but I've been seeing a lot of people dying at a younger age. Like, my mom died at 55. I just actually talked to her I had an uncle who died young. I had, like, you know, a lot of people in my family have died younger and younger and younger. Like, what, how do we take better care of ourselves at now so that we can prevent, I guess, choices or lack the lack of choices made by the, you know, the generation before us. Does that make sense? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes complete sense. I think one of the biggest things is that we don't, as younger individuals, especially our millennial age, Mm -hmm. we don't, um, we have, we don't really have an established relationship with a physician. Like right. we don't go see a family doctor. Right. We, um, you know, until like it's our mid thirties, almost our forties, we don't go for an annual checkup. Right. Um, a lot of the girls that I, I came off of my OBGYN rotation. Um, and so I, we did a lot of, you know, I did a lot of like the pregnancies and delivered a lot of babies. And then also did a lot of the pap smears and gynecological exams and and a lot of the girls would come in late, you know, to get their first pap smear ever. And we always say, you know, 21, start yeah. coming in when you're 21 to get your first pap smear because HPV is a real thing. Yeah. And, you know, we, and it sometimes is, is tough because the, the procedures that we have to do or, um, you know, to remove that, you know, what we call precancerous, you know, type of lesion, um, you know, it can, it can make them infertile or it can, you know, and, and it was ways that we could have prevented it, which was, you know, ensured that they had their vaccine vaccines done at the right time right. and ensured that, you know, things were done at the right time and that they had somebody following up with them because a lot of people fall through the cracks. Yes. And that's what's happening with our millennial generation is that people are falling through the cracks very often. Then they come in in their mid thirties or, you know, late uh, late 30s, um, early 40s, and they're having a stroke, or they're, you know, because they had untreated, you know, high blood pressure this whole time, or they were diabetic, and no one was even monitoring their their um, sugar levels. And so, you know, those are the things we don't want to just, you know, breeze by and let it go. And if, if our millennial generation took it more seriously, healthcare and the benefit of having a good provider, then maybe we could actually prevent these types of, you know, issues of, of actually having people die at earlier ages. But one of the big things is that there is a healthcare disparity 
amongst our um, our ethnic population, and that is something I've always been fighting for. Something that I've been I've always been politically active with, especially ethnic healthcare disparities. It's something that really really disheartens me at times when you. I think one of the oof. I'm gonna have to hop back and forth, but Grey's Anatomy had an episode of of Bailey, a African American woman yeah. who came in with what she felt was a heart attack. Yes, I remember that episode. But the doctors didn't believe her. Yes, I was her gonna get into this physician, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, her being a physician this. and yes. everything, no one believed her, yes. and that is something that is real. We see that often. It is not something that, you know, is just seen in a little one episode of, you know, a great show, by the way. I love Grey's Anatomy. Yes. But, um, <laughs> it's great. I love it. I've just been following it. But that, that's a real thing where, especially African-American women, people do not believe what they say. Yes. And that is something that needs to be addressed more so than ever. And then we lose these individuals and it's very disheartening when you see that, you know, they still have, and they meaning that the African-American women, the population still have a high rate of heart attacks that were completely missed. And it's because they present very, what we say, atypically. So it's not the typical way. You know, typically you people come with jaw pain and left arm pain and, you know, all this pain, right? And then they, sometimes it even is pain between their, their shoulder blades or um, in their back and, um, you know, their, their chest hurts. They may not present with any of those symptoms. Yeah. And that's the hard part. But I don't, that's something that, that yeah, but that's, that's another discussion. But, um, oh, but I want to elaborate on that, but keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's something that we need to focus on is, is really having good provider to look over our health, someone we feel comfortable, someone we trust, that's going to be a hard thing. Don't ever fear of changing a physician or a doctor. When you don't feel comfortable with them, you change. You don't spend any more time with that physician because if you don't feel comfortable, you're not going to come in for your annual exam. You're not going to go in for, you know, a pap smear for women. You're not going to go in if you um, you know, have this abnormal pain and it's been there for four months. I mean, you want to address those types of things. And so be comfortable with your provider. And so, and, and use your insurance to the best of your ability. Like read on the actual coverage that your insurance offers. It's amazing how many things are covered by our insurance that, that millennials have no idea about. Right. And it's because we're not educated about this stuff in school. Right. What are we sitting in school? We're, we're learning and we're typing up all these essays and doing yeah. all these exams and all this. And we're not actually learning real world stuff. Right. Unfortunately. So so that's the that's the thing there. Hopefully that will change in the near future. Yeah. No, I'm so glad you brought up the, the thing about African-American women because I like I highly, highly, highly believe that a lot of times you know, we're not believed when we go to the doctors or things that we say are kind of discounted. I've experienced it myself and I feel like my mom probably experienced it. And even more recently, like, you know, I I think my friend's mom experienced that as well. And we we would talk about that um, and things that uh, she was going through and, you know, my mom's going through whatever. And 
it, it's disheartening because then it makes you feel like sometimes I feel like, well, I don't even want to go to the doctor. Like, or I'll be like, well, I only want a black doctor. And those come few and far between. So it's like if I can't get a black doctor, then I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't really trust that they are in my best interest all the time. But still knowing that I have to live on this earth and be healthy, you know, I have to yeah. see someone who's professionally trained to give me some kind of answer. So um, in, in that, I want to talk about um, uh, black women dying from birth. The, what do you call it? Um, I forget the term for it, but can you talk about that a little bit? Because I do know someone who, um, and I would even guess that maybe she didn't get the greatest care, but someone who um, was pregnant and she was, was given the epidural and um, I think she had a couple heart attacks and she was in a coma and she's out of a coma, but she's just um, not the same. She's, you know, she's, I believe she's, I don't know that she's brain dead, but she's she's just there being taken care of and can't really function on her own. Um, so she didn't yeah. die, but she's just not the same. And, and the fact that this is happening, she's my age, and, you know, the fact that this, is, this happens or that black women die more so than any other race, what can, like, what have you seen about that and what are your thoughts on that? So that's actually very interesting. I was reading a lot about this because I think one of the, the big things, I mean, think about Serena Williams and even Beyonce, right? right? The right. top of their professions, right? Um, Serena Williams, one of the best tennis players out there and arguably even like athletes of all time. Beyonce, singer who literally sells out arenas within hours pretty much. Um, but last year they, they basically shared similar stories they both experienced life-threatening complications in their pregnancies. And, um, you know, in, in that one way, these, these two superstars are literally just like millions of other black women in the United States. Um, it's known that like black women themselves are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes than a white woman is. And that is a known fact. The CDC actually published that. And that's the Center for Disease Control, by the way, and prevention. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's very, very disheartening. It's basically a public health and human rights emergency at this point, you know, that it, because there's so many more deaths in the African-American population. And it's kind of complex. Why is there this racial disparity? Yeah. Um, um, but basically, it's lack of access, that's a big part, and poor quality of care. Yeah. So two things, that's what I come down to, lack of access and poor quality of care, especially the, the African-American women at lower socioeconomic levels. You know, when I was back in Baltimore studying, um, th th these are all of my patients. <laughs> they yeah. are, um, they're all African-American women, and, um, and basically, th what I saw was that black women were almost undervalued. Yes. You know, they're not monitored as carefully as they would with a white woman. Mm. And I was very, very, very taken back by that. Um, you know, when when the black woman comes in um, and they're presenting with symptoms that we know about, they're dismissed completely. And I was just, I, I was amazed. I was like, you know, with, with uh, Serena Williams, 
she experienced something called a pulmonary embolism mm -hmm. um, the a day after she gave birth to her daughter. Um, she got a C-section. Mm -hmm. And um, a pulmonary embolism is when literally one clot from the body actually gets into the, um, the actual circulation of the, of the lungs. So without circulation of the lungs, you, you die. Pulmonary embolism, there's a very, very high death rate with pulmonary embolism. Once you get it, there's very, very high chance of you dying or having really, really bad complications. Luckily, you know, Serena Williams made it, but that just shows you that she probably had all the symptoms. She probably had all the symptoms, high heart rate. She was probably sweating profusely. She probably could not breathe. So she was gasping for air and they didn't take it as seriously as they would. Um, and so, um, we've had this, I, I think we've had this problem for so long. It's not something new. I don't right. think this is anything new. And I think that it's, it's just crazy because now we have celebrities who come into the, to the notion and we're like, wow, you know, now this is taken more seriously because a celebrity had faced that issue, you know, head on. And, um, I don't know. It just, uh, I hate saying this, but racism affects so many things before the patient even gets to the clinical like encounter. And that is something that I know a lot of physicians, you know, don't want to fess up to yeah. that. They may be, they might have this underlying, you know, racism and it could be something that, you know, it's this implicit bias and, and then that structural racism, you know, together affect how that woman in front of you is being cared for in the healthcare system. And it sucks because the cards are always stacked against them. And that's something that I wanted to fight from the beginning. And I always had that, that dream to try and fix that. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I, I still don't know how I am going to fix it. Um, and you know, th there has to be a solution to this, you know, besides tearing it all down and starting again, I think the solution is, you know, educating our future physicians and keeping them aware of these situations. Cause how many people know about these types of situations, Serena Williams and, uh, and Beyonce, Beyonce had something called preeclampsia. Yeah. Um, when she was pregnant with her twins, preeclampsia, just high blood pressure, but high blood pressure by itself is, is gestational hypertension. But when you start having high blood pressure with, you know, your urine, actually you're spilling out proteins from your body. That's what we consider preeclampsia. And this is typically, you know, after our 20 week mark in pregnancy. Now it is common for be when you're pregnant with twins to have preeclampsia because uh -huh. you know you just have to give more of your own blood to the babies <laughs> you have two babies in there so yeah um and you know her body was swollen and she had she was in bed rest and um and then she finally i think after a month she had an emergency c-section and it was so so tough even seeing that because that is crazy that you know, she was, I don't know, there's, there were better ways to have treated that whole situation. When you look at the whole entire case and, you know, um, 
because I did a lot of investigation into this because I was just on my OBGYN rotation. So uh -huh. it actually helped me, you know, to actually get to know these types of situations um, and cases. But it's, I don't know, it, it really is, is not easy because a lot of our African-American population, women who are pregnant are, are experiencing this preeclampsia, especially. That's a high rate that we see is preeclampsia in our African-American population. And they, when they're untreated like that, long-term, it's known that they get some kind of heart disease down the line, especially when they go untreated, you know, and they never got any kind of treatment for it. And, you know, no one really oversaw their, their healthcare. So one thing is that we need to open up more opportunities for pregnant women, especially of ethnic, you know, derivation or ethnic populations to actually have access. They need more access. We need to offer them, you know, better healthcare opportunities that were just given to that same exact white woman next door, yeah. you know, and that is the big difference. And there are and I have to say there are hospitals who are trying their very best to implement a training on implicit or unconscious bias mm -hmm. and trying to um, you know, figure out how to avoid that and how to even think about you know, people's backgrounds um, and, um, and their, un I guess, like in our unconscious state and how that actually can be affecting their care. Like that is something that a lot of hospitals are training like doctors right now. But again, this is a new up and coming age. So yeah. we're gonna see, and I believe we're gonna see better outcomes. We will, because our up and coming age has completely changed. Yes. I mean, you know, we have, we have taken it a step further in ensuring that, you know, racism dies down as much as it can, it will never 100% die down. Yeah. It just won't. Yeah. It, it's it's ingrained agree. in our society. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that's the, I think we need to take steps forward, whether it's giving more access, whether it's educating better on this implicit bias, whether it's making sure that our high risk population, like pregnant African Americans, mm -hmm. are, you know, taken more seriously when they come in with symptoms, mm -hmm. or whether a, a, uh, an African-American comes up with a heart attack, taken more seriously. Yeah. You know, we don't just let it go. Every single time they come in, we're not gonna just treat them like, oh, they're just being dramatic. Right. No. Everything that is said from a patient's mouth to me is a part of the story. I don't care if they're making part of it up. I type it in their note. Mm -hmm. I say, and in yes. quotes, I always type it. Because creating a whole picture for myself when I'm even trying to figure out, you know, with my attending physician, what is the diagnosis? What can we do to help this patient out? How can we address all of their issues? There could be a psych issue that has been untreated for so long. There could be other issues at home that have implicated their health at the moment. You know, there's a lot of things. Yeah. And that's an important thing is to be holistic in your approach. But I hope with all of these different, you know, views and ways of actually approaching this, we can have a, a positive, you know, future for all of the uh, population out there that's, you know, underrepresented in yeah. healthcare. Yeah. No, that's, you, you nailed it. Yeah. And I, I, I 100% agree. 
Um, it kind of reminded me of, I know it's it's not, it wasn't with the doctor or anything, but I had an incident where I used to go to Orange Theory. And yeah. um, just an example of like language being misconstrued or not under, you know, not understood. I was at Orange Theory and I kept having a problem with my heart rate monitor. And I'm thinking, you know, and I kept telling this girl, she's a blonde girl, you know, happy go lucky. Um, I kept telling her about it, and then I, the it happened about three to five times. And the last time I said, you know what, I, I I can't do this. I'm like I'm I'm becoming frustrated because I paid extra for this heart rate monitor. It's supposed to allow you to, you know, it's supposed to enhance the experience of the class. It's you know it's a part of what you guys promote. It's not functioning correctly. I don't want a replacement. I just don't want it no more. Or I wanted a refund or something. And then I I canceled my membership too. That was for some reason I just didn't. Um, <laughs> for the you know problematic yeah. people in the exercise class because it it can't be that way in certain spaces you know it, it just was too much and I wasn't going to buy that space didn't want to stop somebody so growing and glowing right so <laughs> okay <laughs> you just remove yourself from the situation <laughs> and so um, and so I'm explaining this to the young lady I'm saying. This is the interaction, black woman to white female. I said, I'm becoming frustrated with the um, with the fact that it's no, it's not functioning properly. You know, um, I'm gonna need you to go ahead and you know, I want to cancel my membership. I just want to be done with this. And she's like, oh, okay, okay, all right. And so I do the, finish the class and come out. She's like, yeah. So I wrote my uh, manager and I wrote that she's frustrated, and so she'll get back to you. And I'm thinking, so. Black woman comes up to you stating, you know, frustrated about the lack of the product functioning correctly. You write, she's frustrated. She's mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm looking at her like, okay. And that was like a clear moment for me where it's like, it doesn't really matter what I say because you already um, made up your mind about who uh-huh. I am and, and what I'm articulating when it's just, it's just not the same because you come with your own life experience and how you were raised and your biases. And I'm coming to you trying to clearly communicate how I'm feeling and, you know, um, and my thoughts of this whole experience, you're not portraying it correctly. So when I got my cancellation paper, you know, I wrote out in detail, I am frustrated by this $300 product that I paid for that is supposed to, you know, be um, paired with the class to enhance your experience so that you are, you know, knowledgeable. You know how I get. I just got all into it. I'm a word person. I like to write. I'm a word person. So I went in on that. But yeah, it was just like a moment for me, a moment of epiphany where it's like, the things that I say, you're not even, you're just whoop, over your head. You're not even yeah. understanding. You're just thinking, oh, this girl's coming up to me with an attitude and upset and she's frustrated. She's mad. She's a mad black woman. So, yeah, I think that, I think that um, people our age definitely are becoming more open-minded and, and um, becoming more knowledgeable about these kinds of issues so that we can make a change. No, it won't always go away, unfortunately, but try to get as much of it away as we can and at least create safe spaces for people of color to enter into and feel like they're seen and feel like they're heard and, and yes. get the treatment that yeah. they need because, you know, um, it's crazy out here. Life's hard. It's stressful. And, to, you know, to be stressed and not be able to fix that stress with no health care, 
that's like that's death it you is. know it's it death. Is the death sentence yep that's what it is um so okay so another question i had that i i was thinking about because i need more information about this i haven't been looking all into it but it's just bizarre to me how all of this is spreading i want to talk about this measles situation <laughs> what do we need to know about this why is it happening why are people vaccinating the kids should they vaccinate shouldn't vaccinate i don't know what's going on but now measles is freaking everywhere and then also the herpes <laughs> spread at coachella what is what's what's going on oh i didn't know about that herpes spread at coachella yes so i guess apparently like i don't know maybe hundreds of people left coachella with herpes and so I guess it's just this idea of disease spreading so rapidly. I think we're just, like I said, I think people our age, we're just, I just we just don't care about disease. I don't, and, yeah. and so it's, I'm, I'm perplexed. So there's a couple of things. So the measles situation. Uh-huh. So the, the, it feels like physicians fighting against a group of people yeah. called the anti-vaxxers. Yes, yes, Pretty yes. much. Um, and... Luckily, if, if you got vaccinated with the MMR vaccine, that's what it's called, the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine, um, you usually get that when you're younger. Yes. If you are nervous that you never got it or you never, you know, um, were vaccinated as a child, um, you know, you can always go and get what we call titers, uh, where we check the levels of antibodies that you have formed in your body for measles mumps and rubella and it's easy because if you don't have much which i actually had no antibodies to measles for weird enough but i had mumps and rubella Mm -hmm. the vaccine that was given to me when i was a very very young young child probably just did not do the job that it needed to do we don't know or it could have just not had enough you know um vaccine formula for measles specifically because it's three in one it's three different things you're covering in one shot. So sometimes, so I, I checked my titers and I actually was found to have very low measles antibodies. So I redid my MMR vaccine and now I have good measles antibodies. Okay. I actually was on pediatrics, you know, and I was working with kids and I don't know what these kids have. They right. have any, they're disgusting. <laughs> I like kids. I don't do kids. I don't like them. They, they are a petri dish of disgustingness. I cannot do it. They come in, sneezing, coughing on you, and I'm like, boy, get your mom. Get your mom. <laughs> you got to get your mom. You're so funny. Oh, my God. And so, you know, I just, I couldn't do it with the kids. And so I worried, and, and I just did it out of, like, my worriness, you know, make sure that I don't have, and then the measles outbreak. Yeah. But basically, these anti-vaxxers are just not getting vaccines for their children. They believe there is a link between, which is absolutely false, by the way. Okay. There is a link between vaccines and autism. Yeah. Autism is not linked with vaccines. That is a proven concept that is proven in many research papers, but somebody along the way, I think they're from the UK, not even a real doctor, published something about there is a link. Yes. And it was like when you read the article, any medical professional who reads that article will tell you that that article is trash. That article has nothing of relevance or significance. So I would literally throw that away. 
And also you have some of these celebrity moms who are blogging, mind that they are blogging yeah. about their opinions, <laughs> not facts, yeah. opinions. And they have actually, especially people who are uneducated, they follow that type of stuff, especially moms who are uneducated. They just do not know the power of vaccines and how it has wiped out hundreds of diseases that used to kill. I mean, the plague. We've wiped out the plague. Imagine that. Imagine yeah. if we had the plague today. How many people would die? All these anti-vaxxers would. <laughs> so, so, you know, yeah. and, and I'll just be sitting there, you know, kind of cackling on the side. Like, <laughs> because it was preventable. Right. It was preventable the whole time. Yeah. And they, they decided to listen to you know, a celebrity mom who had her opinions blogged versus actual physicians who have, you know, an oversight of all these different types of organizations that have to look at like the facts that they present in a paper, you know, whether or not it's really true, true data. And, and there's a lot that goes into a published paper and journal. I just wrote one. Mm-hmm. I can tell you it's a process. It takes months you know, oversight, making sure every little tiny data point that you put in your paper is truly true. And so that it's, it's obscene that people are following this trend of anti-vaccination. And you know what sad part is it's from our hometown, California. And you know, that's where it all started. Yeah. And this whole anti-vax, you know, movement, then it went up to Oregon and all, you know, hip, hippie land and all that. But it's just stuff that like, to me is nonsense because it has no proven data and value, you know, to whatever they're saying. And so at the end of the day, all their kids are going to be spreading measles. And this is a deadly disease. Measles is horrendous. I mean, it, it starts off with a really high fever. I mean, I'm talking about you know, 104, that just does not want to go away. Then they get a cough, runny nose, but that's very, very easy stuff. Then they get the inflamed eyes, you know, where they look really red. Then they get little small spots on the inside of their mouth called coplic spots. And we don't ever like seeing that in a little kid. And um, then they get a horrible rash, horrible rash on their body. And that's kind of the giveaway that they probably have measles at this point. And then, you know, there's a lot of complications. Most of the time, I mean, the, complica- the worst complication is that they probably will die. There's no way out of that. There's no treatment except maybe some vitamin A. Honestly, that's like the only treatment we have out there for measles. It's a virus. Viruses are very hard to treat. Bacteria, we have antibiotics, but even that could be resistant sometimes with bacteria. But with viruses, really, there's not much to treat them with. So, you know, they, they usually get pneumonia and you know, they become blind and they get seizures and it's, it's a mess. I mean, why, and then, I mean, why put your child through that? The worst of it is that they get this inflammation of the brain and you know, that's, that's a no go. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have inflammation in my brain and we call that encephalitis yeah. and you know, all these different things. Like why would you put your kid through that? That is, that is child abuse in my eyes. You know, if I were to see a mom who did that to their child, that's child abuse. That's not, 
you get your kids vaccinated, make sure that they have the right vaccinations and that, you know, that they don't have to go through these. Because when if you ever, you know, like as a physician or medical student or, you know, resident, when they come across these types of cases, it really does kind of make your heart sore because, and, and it, it's kind of one of those, you know, there's some cognitive dissonance in, within yourself because you're like, why didn't you get your kid vaccinated? But it's not the kid's fault at the end of the day. Yeah. It's the mom and dad's fault. And at the end, and on top of that, you just know the, the result, the end result, and it's usually gonna be death in these kids. So all these cases, we know that they're probably not gonna survive. You know, the 90 plus outbreak, you know, and I think one of them ended up being in California recently wasn't it? Yes. I just saw that in the news and I was like, yeah. oh God. But, you know, if you got your vaccine, if you want to be safe and you think that you may not have still like those things, but you can go and get a tighter, again, a your family doctor will order that for you. Mm -hmm. And your insurance covers it as preventative, you know, measures there. So, and then you can get a vaccine anywhere. You go to Walgreens, their min, or is it the Minute Clinic at CVS? CVS. The Minute Clinic or anywhere, they have vaccines everywhere and insurance covers that too. So you can redo your vaccine, you know, knowing that you don't have a certain antibody level. So that's it. And then what was the other part? It was the... Um, the herpes spread? The herpes spread. Well, so there's two types of herpes. Uh-huh. There's um, herpes 1 and there's herpes 2. Herpes 1, typically we see that in the mouth region. About 90% of our population has that. Okay. Herpes 2 is typically seen in, in the lower genitalia. Okay. And so, but now we're seeing herpes 2 on the mouth, if you know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> <laughs> so it's spreading. Somebody you know, out there knows. Somebody <laughs> out there understands what we're saying. <laughs> but um, yeah. um, the big thing is, is that you can be exposed to herpes and it will show up in your labs as you were exposed to it and it will show it like you're positive for herpes one or positive herpes two the thing is is that unless you actually have breakouts that's when we treat it or when we really care about it because everyone can be exposed at one point or another yeah but when you start getting little vesicles on your mouth or in your genitalia region yeah you know that's when we actually can swab that and culture it. And we can actually see, you know, is it really herpes? Because you never want herpes one down below. That's never something you actually do want ever. That's never a good one. It's actually worse when you get herpes one down below. Um, but basically at, everyone can be exposed to it. And it, it's funny that people are saying outbreak, like how did they get diagnosed with that outbreak? Did yeah. they just get a blood test? Because blood tests, I will tell you, a lot of our population is positive for herpes in our blood. Mm -hmm. But that just means you were exposed to it. That's it. It doesn't mean you actually may actually have symptoms of it. It doesn't mean that you will actually have an outbreak. But it just means you're exposed to it. That's all it tells us. But when you have an outbreak is when we will want to treat it. And there is treatment out there to kind of tame it down. There's no cure, mm -hmm. but there is treatment. But it is another virus out there. Viruses, I'm telling you. Those are some tricky SOBs. I'll tell you that. I don't mess around with them viruses. I'm glad I knew that. I, I mean, I never really did understand the difference between having bacterial infection versus the virus because, I mean, I should have known because, like, HIV or HPV, 
all these different things that are that you know can happen and then don't really go away. They don't go away. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important to note. So, I'm bringing this up, y'all, because it's about to be summertime, and I know everyone likes uh-huh. to do their thing for the summer. Keep it safe. Keep it clean. Keep it, you know, as respectful as you feel comfortable for yourself. But just be aware of all these health issues that are going on because it ain't a joke. It ain't a game. Period. Um. One last thing, as you were talking about blood tests, and um, after this, you know, we'll wrap it up. But um, my favorite topic, one of my favorite topics in life, are white scams, white scammers. I'm just like obsessed with it. Like, <laughs> I like the Fire Festival, Billy McFarland. That <laughs> brought me so no, much. I, I get a kick out of all that. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's so good because I just, I'm fascinated with the repetition of it all, right? Like the people doing essentially the same thing in different ways. And so Elizabeth, um, oh, what's this girl's last name? I'll find it. But basically Thanos, have you heard of that? No. What is this? Oh my gosh. You have not heard of this? Was Thermos or Thanos? No, Thanos is from, ooh, I know it, right? Thanos is, Thanos is from, uh. Avengers. Isn't that from like Avengers. that one Marvel? Yes. Avengers. Yeah. I was like, I know what Thanos. I think he's oh. the one with the ring. Yes. <laughs> My bad, y'all. I meant. Uh, okay, so her name's Elizabeth Holmes, and what is her? What was this company called? Theranos. Uh, Theranos. Okay, sorry guys. So you have not heard this story about no okay you need to look this up i think you'd be interested in it okay so her name is elizabeth holmes she came up with this company called theranos the idea was that she would be able to take a drop of blood do five uh, 500 um disease test from a drop of blood and they she got a contract with walgreens she got billions of dollars invested in this like it was an actual company, but it did not work because they say scientifically that's just not possible to be able to just do a drop of blood and do a test for like 500 to 600 different diseases. Oh. Um, yeah, she scammed a whole bunch of people. She got billions of dollars invested in it. The people who worked for her said that it didn't work. It would get messy in the lab because they would drop the small little vials everywhere. They would break and the blood would go places. And it was just like, it was just such a hot mess. And I wanted to get your opinion on it, but you've never heard of that? She's no. got okay, so you gotta check out the podcast, um, The Dropout. Or there's a there's a HBO documentary. Um let me see. Let me see the HBO documentary name. It is called The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. And then um I thought there was something else on it. There's the documentary, the podcast. I think that, that'll be sufficient for you, but Oh, I will definitely. Oh yeah, they're gonna make a movie about her. It's, I mean, she's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Like she was so, um, like, just determined to get this idea to work, but it wasn't possible. So I was gonna ask you, like, what are your thoughts on that? Because they're saying that it's not possible to do that, but she's, she's insistent that it, it, it worked and it existed, or she will not take any responsibility for the fact that. It was a scam, and it didn't work. Do, Dana, do you know how much they actually were going to charge for something like this, a service like this? Um, do you know if they ever, ever talked about how much, like, 
It was supposed to be super affordable and to take down, you know, lab companies and blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know, because it was in Walgreens. It was in Walgreens where have people to do it. And I think they were even yeah. creating this big thing that you could purchase and do it from home so that you can know. But then when people would do it, they would really just literally, they would take the drip of blood or they would lie and say, oh, actually, we need a, you know, the actual lab. And people, people would be like, well, you're not supposed to use lab, but they would do the lab anyway. Um, you know, like how you regularly go to the doctor and get blood drawn. Yeah. Um, and they would take it to the back and do it. And But when people would try the small prick of blood thing, it came back with like um, incorrect information. So people would be thinking they had diseases that were not there. Oh. My. Oh, it is a scam. Let me tell you. Oh my God. They are in wow. Yes. I had no idea. Wow. Yes. This is, I actually have an article up about it right now and just kind of like looking at it very quickly. Mm-hmm. This seems crazy that somebody could actually believe that like a drop of blood can give you this much information. Yes. It's, it's ridiculous because, yeah. well, even if you think about it, when you go to like, if you've ever been hospitalized or you ever even got your blood drawn, do you see how big those tubes are? Like, yeah. And that's sometimes only for like three to four tests that we're yes. doing just for that. That could be like, you know, your your blood count and, you know, your liver function and, you know, how much has to be actually, your blood itself, a lot of it is made up of plasma, which has no information really. Mm-hmm. And we need to take it from the actual like red, red area. You know, yeah. there's a clear area and a red area. When we spin it, they actually separate. Yeah. So like that red area is what actually has most of your information. But when you spin it, you'll lose a lot of that red area. So like we spin it in like a little tiny, what we call centrifuge, which is just like a spinner, spinner, spinner that kind of uses gravity to, to kind of separate your parts of your blood. So how is it that one little piece of blood that may have 90%, I don't even know how much plasma in it, which is like useless information, could get you a whole disease panel, is what 500 plus, that's, that just sounds crazy. I it mean, it, it's insane. I mean, I don't know, there's a lot of scams out there that I've always like come across where, you know, there's no 100%, you know, way to actually do this unless you get the really expensive stuff, yeah. you know, where, you get treated and you I mean you examine for every kind of like mutation in the body for breast cancer and for you know uh, testicular cancer prostate cancer all these different types of cancers in the body um, but that stuff is really expensive and I mean usually ranges like ugh, anywhere from four thousand all the way to twenty thousand you know to get like a full panel done most insurances cover it you know if you have like family history of something but most of the time people are just nervous and want to just get it done. I mean, there was a good cause to it. <laughs> I mean, there was a good underlying yeah. cause, but but she's just a crook. So that <laughs> ends up being the issue at the end of the day. And, <laughs> I mean, what is she? Is she like a doctor? No. She's not so she went to, she started this, she went to Stanford University, took a class or two and decided, hey, I'm going to start this business about the drop of blood. Okay. And dropped out of college and ran with it. Lord. At 19 years old. Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) How did she get this far? Is that what I'm trying to figure out? And that is the, and that, that 
is the mystery of it all because she got grown men she had a board of directors who used to be in the white house used to be secretary of state used to be uh, on the you know def- uh what do you call it? secretary secretary of defense and all these people and she got Ooh. millions of dollars from them i don't know what uh, I'm, I'm sure there's something underlying involved in all of it because everyone on her board of directors were government ex or current government officials um but she got they believed her and you know she got money and just check out the documentary it's it, for everybody i think i may have brought this up oh, before what? but it's pretty crazy it just goes to show you like just just kind of corruptness i guess you know you just have to be aware and and i don't know yeah it's 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 insane but i yeah get, watch it when you get a chance I definitely will. I have it all written down, ready to go. I'm probably gonna watch it today. Yeah. <laughs> I got a day off that I am gonna watch it. So yeah. that stuff is is crazy. It's it's a good topic to ensure that you know a population knows about this kind of stuff because you know I I didn't even come across this. I mean I mean yeah. what I did come across though was the whole entire you know school scandal mm-hmm. with all of the celebrities and you know yeah. their their parents paying like hundreds of thousands and millions to for them yes. to go to like some of the best schools in California. Yes. That's another like, white scam. Oof, frustrating. I cannot even begin to talk about that. But that because you know, I've, I've worked so damn hard my whole life, you know, and mm-hmm. never got anything handed to me. Never. I mean, this has been such a struggle even medical school. It's just, you know, always fighting against, you know, the the majority out there. Yeah. And it, it, and when you find out these kind, you know, this type of knowledge, you just want to scream at the <laughs> top of your lungs and like, yeah. how is it? How did that even happen? You know, and it's it's ridiculous. But, yeah. and I think we can both safely say that. I mean, we worked very hard in high school to even get to where we did at UC Irvine, yeah. um, undergrad. You know, and it was a tough place to even be at at UC Irvine. I mean, I mean, how many how many black people were at UC Irvine? Yeah. We can count them probably. <laughs> right. Like, that's Real that's talk. the worst part of it yeah and you know they just and but that's that's its own little thing but yeah, yeah that's <laughs> a whole, whole another situation in itself but thank you so much for joining me is there anything else that you feel like people should know in regards to their like physical health uh we didn't really get to mental health that could be its own episode for itself but is there any other advice or or information or resources you want to give to the people and then also let them know where they can find you. Yeah, so I mean, one last thing I definitely want to bring up is just um, whenever whenever you feel like, um, you know, things aren't working out with your health, don't just let it um, slide to the side and, and, and disregard it as nothing because that small little type of whatever symptom you're having and if it's lingering there for a long time, could be something, you know, within you that's growing or, you know, something that could be, you know, a, a larger situation at hand. And try and find, again, a healthcare provider for yourself that you feel comfortable. You know, that's a big thing. Don't, if you don't feel comfortable, walk out and be done with that healthcare provider. Find another. There are many primary care providers out there that can help you call your insurance, sign up for Medicaid, take advantage of your resources because this is your health, your well-being. And if you truly believe that you, you know, 
you want to live a long, happy, healthy life, then you have to actually live it. And don't just sit back and let it, you know, kind of linger and be done with that. For those of you that actually do want some like fun advice from, you know, um, African American um, type of dermatologists who are on Instagram, there is Laura LaCour. She's actually a huge Instagrammer. Um, L-A-U-R-A-L-A-C-Q-U-E-R. She is a big proponent of actually promoting, you know, ethnic skin and actually um, getting uh, women and men of um, African descent back on track with their skincare regimen. And she has three kids. She went to Harvard Medical School. She is top of her game and she literally inspires every day. I, I I love just watching, you know, her stories and her feed because she just pushes you to be better, you know, in every way possible. Another one that I really love and she is up and coming is brown skin derm. And it's just one word. So brown skin derm. She is amazing. The education she gives. Oof. She gives all of the secrets on how to keep that brown skin looking fresh, fly, and just glowed up. Yes. So she inspires me as well. I probably, you know, I, I take advantage. She posts little Instagram surveys daily sometimes, and I take advantage of that every single time because she just, she has good knowledge. I mean, she is a resident right now in dermatology. She just, um, you know, is going to be ending her dermatology residency. So she'll be a full-blown dermatolo dermatologist. And uh, she can, you know, help with just trying to get that skincare regimen on point. She's helped me. Um, I have, like, I personally messaged her, you know, like, what product do you feel is good, you know, for this? Or um, what, what product do you, you know, um, recommend and, and whatnot? And she helped me get on my, like, skincare regimen and, and whatnot and so you know that's what you just gotta look for those types of people out there as for myself um on instagram i'm upscale medlife and it's just one word again upscale medlife upscale and... okay because <laughs> you know i'm not gonna live that downscale life <laughs> hello <laughs> i think i just made up a word down <laughs> You know, so, but my thing is, it's kind of an irony in my name because, you know, upscale, but my life is not near upscale, especially at the moment. You know, it's, it's always going through trials and tribulations. And, you know, that's what I like to show people is that, like, the reality of medicine, you know, it's, it's not what everyone thinks it is. I even talked, I posted even about, like, the depression that I went through in medical school, losing a lot of my friends, not even seeing my family for months and months at a time. You know, if if you are deciding, you know, to actually go after your dream, it's going to take a lot of sacrifices. Yes. And that's what I tell everybody. I don't care what field you're in. I don't yes. care. Going after your dream takes sacrificing a lot around you. But the thing is, is that the people you keep near and dear will always stay near and dear, no matter how far out, you know, you are in your career, no matter how many, you know, wins you've had in your life you know those people that are near and dear and you you know might have lost them along the way you know, will always be in your life no matter what because yeah. those are the people that will help you and, and get you back up and that's dana for you let me tell you that is dana bain right now <laughs> she has probably been like you know 
it's crazy. We, we catch, we, we just, we just talk as if we we haven't seen each other. Like, I mean, like that we've seen each other just yeah. yesterday, but I sometimes don't even see you for a year at a time. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy. And, you know, I, I always just, I thank God every day for all the people that I have in my life and who have helped me get to where I am today. And, and it's, it's all part of the blessing is what I say. Amen. It's all part of the blessing. And chasing your dream is humbling too. Like, because you, like, mm -hmm. if everything's been going smooth and then you get to a rocky part where it's like, oh my God, what decision did I make? Is this even right for me? What am I doing? That's when you know that you're in it. Um, and it's humbling because it's like, okay, you gotta, gotta take it for what it is, you know? And, yeah. and I think that's a good word. I think that should be like the road to blow goal or just thought for this episode is just, you know, um, chase your dreams, but know that you're going to be humbled and know that it's going to be difficult. And if you're not humbled and it ain't difficult, then it's probably something you shouldn't be doing. Okay. <laughs> and that's word. <laughs> and that's just facts. Not trying to be harsh, but that's the reality of this life. Um, you know, yeah. things may look easy to others. And maybe it is easy for them, but maybe it's also not something they're supposed to be doing. Maybe they took the easy route in their life. You know? And so you can't compare yourself to that. You have to stay focused on what you've been called to do and your purpose. And it's going to be, sometimes I'll be like, what did I do? What did I do? But, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I'm so happy that you came on the podcast and I got to interview you, my good friend. You're one of the smartest people I know, so I really appreciate your thoughts on everything and answering these questions oh. and honesty and straightforwardness and, you know, with truth, because I'm a big person. I mean, I'm a big believer in truth, and I, I, I love that you added that to the conversation and got real, and um, hopefully we've helped some people, and um, yeah, thank you so much. And anytime. <laughs> I would love to chat more at another episode, and you know, yes. anything any of you guys talk, you know, think of, definitely, you know, Dana will, will keep me up to date and, I, and I'm still here to even answer questions. So Dana, if you send them my way, yes. I will definitely be willing to answer any questions that any of your viewers have. So yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that is the conclusion of our episode. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And like I said in the beginning, you know, it's going to be different moving forward. Please let me know if you have any um, thoughts concerns, questions, uh, recommendations for the podcast. I'm going to do my best to hold it down for y'all and we're going to keep it moving, growing and glowing and, and leveling up this year and for the rest of our lives. Um, let me see. Do I have a quote? Uh, my favorite one actually for so far for the year is from um, Layla Delia, which I've mentioned her a thousand times on the podcast. Um, and I might have said this quote before, so, but I'm going to say it again because it remains to be true. She remembered who she was and the game changed. Um, remember who you are and let the game change. That's Amen. <laughs> That's yeah. it. That's all yeah. I got. <laughs> all right, guys. Have a good one. See you next time. Bye.